0: You got, the, you got the clear one. Yeah. Is that your favorite kind? Yeah, I think they're pineapple or something.
1: I don't know what they are, but they're they're pretty much delicious. Delish. Just
0: don't eat two pounds of them at once without
1: eating. See, you left that story out. The, the fact of two pounds is like
0: so. This one time tons at band of camp, pounds more than you're supposed to eat. This one time at band camp, I was going to SHOT Show, and this was probably, I don't know, 2018 or 2019, flying to to vegas and i had like a layover and i don't know i think it was somewhere pretty close like chicago midway or something and i didn't feel like eating anything but i just (laughs) wanted some gummy bears this was back when i used to eat a lot of sugar so i grabbed a two-pound bag of gummy bears and um, i proceeded to destroy it i had one beer at the airport and bought half the bag of gummy bears at the chicago airport i got on the plane and I finished the bag of gummy bears and I'm like, I can go to the bathroom. I walked back to the bathroom and it was full. I didn't realize it, but there was already somebody in there. I should have looked, I just didn't see anybody go past me so I figured, you know what, it's available. I walked back there, stood next to the bathroom for maybe five seconds and uh, the room started spinning. I woke up on the floor (laughs) and luckily there was a a male flight attendant there that, that, that could definitely support and hold me up or at least stop me from crashing into the cart back there, you know. And so yeah, I just kind of passed out on an airplane. 2 pounds though. I keep getting
1: stuck on that number. It was a lot of gummy bears. It's a ton of gummy. I mean, I, I admit it, I <laughs> eat a lot of Ben & Jerry's, but there's like milk in there. There's chocolate, there's like all four food
0: groups in that. Um whereas gummy bears are pretty much not no, so, it's all sugar. Yeah. I don't eat, I, I, after that, I didn't eat sugar. Like, not even one piece of hard candy for, like, two years. And I still don't even eat... I don't crave candy. I don't care. You always have candy around me. I might have one piece yeah, on the if, whole weekend, so... Yeah, if that. Yep. I just avoid it. Speaking of weekends, yeah. what's your favorite match? My favorite match? Um, I like most matches, to be quite honest. I like something about most matches, so... I really honestly can't pick a favorite. I'm pretty sure I have a favorite. Okay. I have one that I have
1: not, not shot yet. Um, yeah, I think that's true. I don't think I have not shot it yet. This will be my fourth, or will have shot it four times. The Gap Grind. Gap Grind! Yeah, I don't... There is something about this match, or that Gap Grind specifically, that is super unique. Um, and it is unique. I mean, it's the largest match in the world. Um, that I'm aware of, and I know it's billed as that each year. There's 400-plus shooters at this match every year, uh, 200-ish pros um, and 200 AMs. So it's a, it's really cool to me for a lot of reasons, one of which is the singular fact that getting 400 shooters through 20 stages in two days is is a monumental feat. So as an it's MD, incredible. it is uh, it is so amazing to watch the, the work, the flow of a match with 20 shooters per squad, completing on time.
0: Mm-hmm. That's and, incredible.
1: And doing it like you'll start at 7, you're shooting by 7, between 7 and 8, I think day one. You're done at 4 to 5 o'clock, so don't get me wrong. It's a long day, but you're still generally done by 4 to 5 o'clock. And uh, to do that with that many shooters, given that we have matches that have half or less than that, that have that have gone... Longer, in fact, than those. Um, it's pretty incredible and a testament to how well designed that match flow is. But the bigger reason I like it is because it lets us do something that we try to do, you know, whenever we can. But it lets all shooters pay it forward uh, and help grow the sport. We bring mm-hmm. new shooters in, people who aren't accustomed to the PRS or are struggling shooters that are. You know, they've been shooting for a little while, but they still just can't, they don't seem to get it or they're struggling to get into another level that puts them at, let's call it, um, you know, feeling confident to go to into a two-day
0: match or even a one-day match and place moderately well. I have a confession. Yes? I've never shot the Gap Grind. I know you haven't. And it's not because I haven't wanted to. I Angels. Mean, yeah, just this is the first year, and full disclosure, we are on our way to the Gap Grind. I have no idea when this episode will drop probably in the next three four weeks but um so by the time this is posted and you're listening to it it'll be well after the match but i uh i'm super excited it's it, yeah i know we talked about it
1: a bunch and i'm last year and the year before i remember i said hey man you got to make the gap grind and you're like i don't know then it's the right up my schedule alley. didn't work and then this year i'm like well last year you dude you got to put the gap grind on your schedule and you did you said okay i will and this year you made it happen. You had an AM lined up, and um, we got it all squared yeah, away. Yeah, I started
0: thinking way when way I way at the beginning when I wanted to sign up for the match. Or I decided I was going to make it a reality. And to me, the spirit of the match is like super important. I love the concept. George Gardner came up with it um, a long time ago. I mean, it's probably been running for eight, ten years. Like, I think this is the tenth. Yeah, so almost as long as the whole series. You know. Yeah, and, and it's, it's evolved to be fair a lot. Yeah, so once I once I decided that I was going to shoot it, um, and I wouldn't have minded getting paired with a random amateur um, on the di- on the weekend of. To be quite honest, that that kind of sounds interesting to me. If there's somebody that you know needed a pro and and it didn't work out to where I found an amateur that I wanted to work with, I was totally fine with that because I feel like that's kind of that's kind of the point of the match. Like there's people yeah. that need help out there, and and I didn't want to be seen as gaming it or or you know doing anything weird i really number one my rule was going to be like i wanted to grab an amateur that i could work with over the summer a little bit um so that it wasn't just us showing up and only having a half a day or whatever or a full day of training and the, the match before and, it to, and my other requirement was i wanted to be somebody under 16 years or under because i wanted it to be a youth shooter that had little to no exposure um and the amateur I chose was the son of of one of the guys that shoots up at Michigan Um, the the, the gentleman's name is Jason and his son Jacob and so it stood out right away that he that I wanted to ask him because he shows up and supports his dad and RO's matches and stuff and he's always interested and he had shot a 22 match or two and I said you know what let's let's go up here uh, to MTC at our home range and Treat a couple of these matches like training days and uh, pretty much cold turkey. I spent probably four hours with them dry firing and on the zero, 100-yard uh, zero, the day before the first match. And then basically we just treated the, the whole match like it was going to be a gap grind. And then we did it again a couple of weeks ago. And man, just to see this, the, the fireworks going off in his brain, um, making the connections with uh, some of the stages are pretty... Mentally tough up there. I, keep, I kept telling him, "Hey, the stuff you're seeing here is probably a little bit more difficult than what you're going to experience at the grind." I've never been to the grind, so I'm not for sure. But you've you've told me so. Yeah. Why don't Why don't you tell the format of the stage, how the stages play out, and how who shoots first, and what happens when, and kind of how much how much we can help the AM, and basically what the format of the match is. Well, before we do that, which I do want to do, I want to say why, not just
1: why I love this and why it's such a cool match, but what you know we've talked. You know, the whiff 'em, right? What's in it for me type approach. Um, there's a whiff 'em on this particular match that is not what people expect. Um, the cool part is obviously seeing people, and I'll say there's a couple parts to this. We've prefaced it in some other episodes, and I think I've mentioned the grind. The shooters that you work with as a pro aren't just your shooter, you work with all the shooters in your squad that are amateurs whenever possible you're giving them pointers or you know as long as they're pros okay with it and on top of that you're spotting for every single amateur in your spot and you're just looking you're looking for all the shooters and finding ways that you can help them be better help them love the short love the sport show them what it's like to be both a good sportsman but also how to excel and love and show passion for this sport and give back to them.
0: I've never been there but are you sure every squad is like that where oh. all the pros help all the ams? Uh it's it's encouraged. Okay.
1: That is the that is the the goal is for all pros. You're not just your ams pro, you're everybody's. If you see something that's, you know, difficult or they're struggling, help them out like it, it's it is definitely encouraged to do that. Now, whether or not everybody does, you know, I mean, I've definitely talked to some ams who didn't feel like that was the case at their at their kind or their pro or their their squad it was a little more divided um that's not really what this match is about this match isn't about who wins it this match isn't about you know for the pros we do get pro series points for it that's to encourage pros to show up um, ams obviously don't um but at the same time the, the other benefits of this uh, there's philip um oh gosh his last name ends in Vic, but philip milochevic there you go why do you need to drop names you do that and then you forget the name i forget (laughs) his last name i know philip but um he was there and he was one of the people we met at a gap grind and i remember you know i think i've told this story before but he was really struggling because of a cheek piece and how hard it was for him to get behind the rifle and i noticed it through towards the end of day one and We pulled it off and made some adjustments and like try this the rest of the day tomorrow and man he was hammering and after he figured that out he he made leaps and bound changes in how he shot he's more consistent loves the sport he's you know always shooting at wisconsin those are the kind of stories um carter simmons was another one i met him um at a, a year or two ago him and his dad and carter was in the i want to say he's an air force um loader and he um, a loadmaster. And he was shooting and shooting really well, but we helped him get on target more. And, and, you know, he was, he had a couple of stages, he shot really, really well. And I was just trying to help him get more centered and making calls. There's something about, you know, that's what's in it for them. They learn how to shoot this sport and get to see all of us shoot and aspire a little bit, but also be taught, right? And they get to ask questions and hang out and see the techniques that are most of the guys in your squad are running. Well, the benefit for what's into a pros and what's in it if you have the ability to sign up as a pro and you want to get better we get to watch t- 10 to 20 shooters per stage making the same shots off the same props and win calls and learning what mistakes lead to what um, round impacts on target reading plates you get to read more rounds down range at the gap grind than you will any
0: other match in the country Hands down, by double. Like, I don't know if that's a benefit for me because I, I, I don't know that an you amateur will. could could you, possibly you, you send will. the perfect round every time. I
1: don't. I know that, but that's <laughs> you'll understand why. I can't. I can't explain. I kind of I'm excited for it to
0: learn from it. It's for once sure once you
1: see it and you start to see that like most people are sending rounds. You know, call it close to straight up or in that vicinity, um, and all of a sudden you see it way high and left. Like you realize that this person, you'll start to recognize, um, and it lets you work on this. This person with this rifle is generally, every time, they're higher and higher as we go out and also further and further left. Something is going on with their, their rifles, zero and or their velocity you're truing. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And you can start to pick up on those patterns with specific shooters and help them true their information. Hey, we just shot a t- series of targets from 400, 600, 800, and 900 yards. You were high, higher, 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 all the way out, where it was a perfect offset, two-tenths, three-tenths. You can use that information to start tracking where elevation issues are changing or how winds are moving throughout the day, not so much on a given shooter, but you're also able to give them live calls. So if you tell them, hold 0.5 right, and they send that round, there's a good chance that You know, more often than not, they're going to hold with big numbers on easy-to-use reticles. Um, They're going to hold the right number, and if they do, and if they're way off, then you 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 kind of tell right away when they're holding 1.5 instead of 0.5. Like it's not. um, There's a really cool dynamic that occurs. I've learned more watching this, getting directly behind amateurs, and just watching rounds, learning to read trace, learning to read plate impacts. It's its own learning match at the pro level that is in me a masterclass in learning and watching the smallest details of bullets going downrange
0: well i've always believed i'm not sure i'm following you but maybe i'll i'll come around uh, but i've always believed that to be a teacher you have to be ultra proficient and very competent in your field so i do believe that uh working with your amateur you you have to be on your A game you and do. that is going to make you uh, probably make you perform better this weekend It does. I feel like it's 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 a win win.
1: It does. Um, Yeah, I mean, if you don't, if you mean what you don't follow me with respect to watching Trace, you will get to watch more Trace, more impacts on targets or around targets, and you have to resolve that this is the game that we play where we spin the turrets and we try to figure out where you miss right that drill blind Mm -hmm. turrets. It's that game only you don't even know where they're holding. So at times you're just you're literally looking for a bullet. you think you saw it high and left and they don't have any clue. Maybe another spotter doesn't have any clue. The only thing you can do is go, why don't we try 0.4 down, 0.4 right? They do that. Dead center impact. Like that's what this this match did for me. It let me learn to spot rounds when nobody else was seeing them and nobody's willing to make a call. I'm like, we're gonna try this because I think I saw this. I saw it a tenth high and left of the top left edge target is 0.6 so it's you know just a 0.4 total correction to center down and right let's do that
0: i hope it doesn't come to that with me and jacob oh he's gonna he's gonna make perfect trigger presses he will (laughs) and and you'll still have some where he misses oh yeah for sure but that's
1: not really the point right the the point is as a pro to be able to watch that there isn't any other place where we can do that unimpeded we have 10 pro shooters so we shoot we get to prep our stuff and then he'll work with our am to get them ready to shoot and then we get to watch all the amps so, that we have way more than adequate time to get ready to focus on us, but then also focus on the AMs once it comes their time to shoot.
0: So, it's, what's the uh,
1: format? So, so format is exactly, that's what I was going to roll right into. We start on any given, like whatever stage or squad, it's a random start. There are 10, most of the time, 10 AMs and 10 pros. The pros shoot first in their sequence. The AMs follow after all 10 pros have shot, the next 10 AMs shoot with in the same order that their pro partner shot. Okay. So if I shoot first, we'll all, all the pros will shoot, you'll shoot second. We go through the next eight, and then the first AM, my AM, will shoot first for the AMs, followed by yours, followed by the next eight. Got it. And it means that we constantly have this perfect little cadence of... You're, this always, is 10, you're, you're always, always 10, 10 away. shooters
0: away from your AM. Correct. Okay, cool. Which is
1: awesome because you have plenty of time to work with them on your strategy. They can be prepping their gear. You can while you're prepping your stage they're working with you to prep theirs Mm -hmm. you have a strategy you work with them on what you're going to do and this is what i think you should do as well sometimes the stages are the same sometimes they're slightly different they shoot one position you might pros might shoot four or five Um, they might have one target from five positions you might have two or you might have a smaller target and those kind of things after you shoot, you do all your prep, you know, you can debrief with them what worked and what didn't for you. So a lot of the time, you know, if something you thought was going to work, even as a pro, you were going to tell them, hey, shoot off this position and that one. And then you, you do it and you're like, ah, they're not going to like that. Hey, we're going to scrap that plan. You're going to shoot off of that and that. Um, mm-hmm. That happened a couple of times with Greg Moore and I. You know, he's been my am for a couple of years. It was the first two years. And then last year I shot with Hunter Zweirs and now this year with Lily Knapp. So I'm sure there'll be more of that uh, this year where we get to we our best-laid plans, and then all of a sudden I'm going to flip the switch and change the script a little. Right?
0: So are the part times for the, both the pros and the olds the same? 90. Yeah, okay. most,
1: they're all the same, 90 seconds each. Uh, there are usually a couple stages that are 60 seconds just so we can make the turn whenever we have a big walk. For instance, the last stage... Um, far far right side of the range that's usually a 60 second stage i found that out the hard way the first year uh i had set my timer to uh a minute 30 and uh, i'm shooting and i'm just going at a real leisurely pace on this plate and greg's kind of looking back like man he's shooting awful slow and i didn't know any better but i get down i shoot like i'm on the fourth shot i think i shot the fourth target out of six or something close to that um Impact and then I shoot another one and then another one, and right as I'm about to bolt like the fourth or fifth target, they're like, Time, like that's been time for a while. I'm like, No, it's not. I've still got 15, 20 seconds left. And they're like, It's a 60 second stage. Oh, oh crap. Yeah. So I got three and I lost by one. I dropped two or three and I lost by one point. (laughs) Man. So, I mean, live and learn. It was, it was pretty funny. Um, But, uh, well, you know, it is what it is. It was a fun match. But you also see a lot of the people that you you don't get to see a lot as a pro. You get to meet new people as an AM. um, Or with AMs, you get to meet all the new amateurs. and uh, Those are the things I love about it. There's also really cool things with all the vendors. The sponsors for the match all usually bring out tents, or they're under the pavilion with their gear. So you can show shooters new gear. They can meet all the vendors, try out new stuff. There's a bunch of really cool live fire... Uh, demo stages or side stages that generally happen. Like Daniel Defense did one um on the last Friday. two years. On Friday, yep. So they'll have a like a live fire with their new rifle, the Delta Pro, and I don't know if they will this year, but they, they had it in the past where you'll shoot on a KYL rack. It's the fastest time with the highest score wins, and um, I, I don't remember exactly what my time was. I think it was either six seconds, um, six or seven seconds for uh, three rounds at 500 yards on a big medium and a small rack from standing so I mean that's fun then they had a pistol side stage there's some other ones with air guns I mean it's been a really cool um, it's been a really cool one we also have applied ballistics will be out this year so we'll be doing um, some chats and have some uh, we'll have our ambassadors including you and I out talking with people answering any questions on you know solvers and, and books and all data and all the fun stuff that we do. So it's going to be a really fun time, but it, it is more of a three-day match slash, you know, fun weekend than it is a match. And if mm-hmm. it stays that way, it's one of the
0: most fun weekends I have every single year. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, if there that there isn't already matches like this around the world and other countries, uh, just us talking about this will spark some interest and, and get that get that moving in, in those places because I know people listen to us around the world so if you guys mm-hmm. are listening um, George Gardner is a match director and Shannon Kay It's at his facility k and I'm sure he has a lot to do with it as well and um, you know, but George was kind of the brainchild of this and it's evolved a little bit over the years but um, it's it's turned out to be something that's one of the most like like Francis said, one of the most popular matches of the year the, um, the intent and the spirit of the match is one that is virtuous and worthy of, of uh, going after and, and growing the sport and helping people feel comfortable showing up to these matches. A lot of these people, this is their first two-day match. Some of these people, it's their first match ever. Yeah. Uh, I remember we interviewed Matt Caruso, and he said that this was his first uh, pro match that he had yep. ever shot. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's insane. And it's, I mean, it's a good pro match to shoot as well.
1: Like, it is a really good course of fire. I don't think there's ever a time at M, that I've had a course of fire that I thought eh, it was okay. It's it's always straightforward. It's tends towards precision and with a little bit of extra movement, but it's a very fair re, repeatable, reliable course of fire. And that is something that is really important as a pro. You can gauge your performance very well against other shooters because it's very much a benchmark style match as opposed to sort of a uh, you know, a little bit of luck and wind based Match. There's not a lot of that here. I Um, heard there's supposed to be some spicy winds this weekend. Now I'm excited for that. Yeah, (laughs) I looked up the forecast. I've been paying attention to it for the last four or five days, and it it, from what I've seen, it's going to stay between six and nine mile an hour minimum, with gusts up to twenty to thirty five miles an hour. Which awesome. I'm really excited for that. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but you know this match is, as I said, it's kind of a benchmark style match. Everybody kind of works up to. Don't we've talked about it in the past don't drop points, so in other words this is a who can drop the fewest as opposed to a who can hit the most type of match. In a don't drop points or who can drop the least type match, the wind and big gusts really plays uh, in in parcel to start separating shooters and who's going to make the right call based on terrain based on where targets are located on a small range or on a you know, very a shoot-like range. Um, it'll be a really good one. You gotta trust what you see. You gotta make smart wind calls. You gotta read quickly on the fly. Um, Again, this is the most fun I have every single year. I feel the most relaxed going into this every single year. And I think that's part of the reason why I've typically done well. Um, not only at this facility, but at this match specifically. So,
0: so. what are the rules between pro and am? Because I've heard some buzz about people getting moved around and getting classed up, and like I said, Matt Caruso's first time here, he was classed <coughs> up to be a pro and had to shoot with somebody um, that had never shot a match before, and Matt had only shot two matches himself. So what mm-hmm. what what care, categorizes somebody as a pro versus an am?
1: So pros are, is anyone that has shot more than 50% of the winner at a, I think it's the average. The average is fifty percent or more of the winner at a pro series
0: match, or seventy over, over three matches. Over I three, think. three matches. Okay, yeah, so the average, average of three. Top.
1: Yeah. Yep. So effectively, if your season points or your you know best three matches at pro pro matches are over fifty percent of the winner, or if your average at one day matches is over seventy five percent of the winner, you are deemed a pro. And so it doesn't mean you're like a Jersey top 10 shooter. That's not what this is. This is, you know how to play the game at least well enough to get through a pro match and shoot halfway decent. You know how to play it at a one day level and get through 75% of the course of fire relative to the Mm winner. That's all there. That's all we can classify as a pro here. Yeah. Um, Which means if you're, if you feel like you understand the sport and you're you know, you want to bring someone new that brings back into the the other rules is that if you fall below that, you'll be deemed an am. If you shoot, if you're during the year, you start out and you're not hitting those numbers and you're signed up as an AM and you uh, your average at the time of the match. So, you know, this week uh, during the just prior to the gap grind, the week before, they're actually going through everybody's score who's registered as an AM to look for anybody who would then fall up into a pro category. And rather than making them shoot as a pro, they'll put them in what's called a class up where you're as instead of shooting as a pro and an amateur, you shoot as more or less pro, pro, but that the amateur who classed up is now still shoots the Am course of fire. They just go for we go for a different trophy, so to speak. Um, we shoot a we still get all we get to help them on the clock. We get to do all that stuff. It's just that they're considered a class up team. That's all. It's just to help because there are some people who get good enough very quickly that they can even outrank um, you know their pro if they put some time and practice in and they're just very natural at it or. Or other reasons right and it also helps protect against sandbagging a little bit but uh, the goal of this match is not to be here just to go win it as a team mm-hmm. it, it would be fun to win it for sure i mean last year we did win it um it was super cool uh but it wasn't that's not what i take away from it i take away from it all the hard work that hunter put in for the better part of six months trying to get better and better with the center fire because he wasn't doing that well with with center fire, and he gained a ton of skills and worked his tail off well, this year I've seen the same thing with Lily. She shoots, you know, rim fire quite a bit and she does very well with rim fire. Center fire she struggles a lot. And there are times where she does really well on stages and others where she just really kind of gets gets beat up or doesn't understand how to move um, from position to position as efficiently as possible. And you know, that's what this match helps us do with them. We can literally tell them move here, go do that, now shoot this, dial this, hold that mm-hmm. live on the clock. And that's unlike any other match that we shoot in that the only thing you can't do is pull the trigger for your amateur. Literally. Yeah. You could set the rifle up, get it on target, have them get behind it, move their bodies, um, load their mag, dial their wind, dial their elevation, parallax, you name it. Anything goes except pulling the trigger. That's all you got to do. Yeah. So it's really, really cool, which really brings us to why this exists, right? Paying it forward what are, and that's kind of the, the title of this episode it's likely going to be, and what I hope it is I mean, what are you doing to grow the sport? What are you doing and a lot of people um, I think we think of that question and think, oh, someone will help grow it, like, yeah you, what are you doing to grow the sport? That's that's a valid question that we should all ask ourselves if you really love this sport and you want it to stay around for a long time, you want to see You know, if you feel that this sport is given to you more than it's uh, more than you given to it, you should ask, what can I do to help grow it? And the answer is go to the gap grind, find a younger shooter, go spend two hours at your range doing something to help a newer, younger shooter grow up or find an old piece of equipment and see if you can help somebody else by giving them an upgrade. Like, mm-hmm. you know, continuously look for little ways to help add a little bit of benefit to show that we're a community who gives back and helps our own community. So that people want to join the sport and they want to stay in the sport because the only reason that, you know, it continues to grow and exist like it does is because of that attitude, not, not despite it.
0: Yeah, I feel like we're obviously doing as much or or more than a lot of people just by talking about this and spreading the word and having the podcast and stuff like that. But I I definitely, I, I hear what you're saying and I feel the same way. Um, I almost felt bad about not going to this match the last couple years, you know, (laughs) it's like, I just, I I couldn't do it, but uh, it is one of those matches where the reputation precedes itself about how much fun it is and how positive it is, which, I mean, we preach positivity all the time, so... I am uh, I'm super stoked to see, like you said, all the vendors that support us and the shooters, and I'm super excited to see the smiles and all the amateurs' faces as they're you know smacking steel targets at distance. And it might be one of the tougher gap grinds just because of the wind we're gonna have this weekend, but I guarantee that uh, there'll be no shortage of smiles, and and I'm just looking forward to. The boost in, in self-esteem that we can instill in these amateurs, if they, you know, have a higher hit percentage than they've ever had, the um, the training points that they'll go home with, uh, hopefully some of the skills that will be cemented into their their process. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm really I'm really stoked about this whole weekend. It's I'm um, mark my words. There will be a
1: point during this match or multiple where someone comes up to you and says. They turn around. I clean my first stage. (laughs) And they freak out in all the best ways. I mean, I watched four people last year have that exact reaction. And I just remember the look. They're still, they're all, as far as I know, they're all still shooting. I know for a fact three of them are. And that, to me, defines why we go to this match, why we help them, and why we try to foster better and better marksmanship skills along with, and you said it earlier, positivity. Mm Mm-hmm. That is, there's a really. It's really easy to go to a match like the Gap Grind. See, two hundred shooters, and everybody gets serious. But there is a line in the sand between serious and having fun that you can't cross, and you have to figure out how to instill in your Ams. Look, just because you you had a you know a bad stage, man, smile, shake it off. Would you rather be working today? Would you rather be in school today? awesome then let's smile let's go dust it off let's let's go get a cold water and start over and get the next stage even better right if you I th- I th- oh i, I think, think so it
0: comes from and that, at that point and in, in, in that particular example it comes from leading by example like you can't mm-hmm. come off of a stage and be all pissed off and you know throw your bag down and, and throw a tantrum uh that will that will bleed over and it reminds me of um something i used to do when my daughter was real little kids um kids are resilient. Holy cow. They can fall and, you know, scrape their knee to the bone, and then they look at you. They look at your face to see, like, how bad you freak out before they decide if they're going to react. Have you ever seen that happen? I have, yeah. Yeah, and there's some parents that, that are <gasps> just those hover parents, and they get they mortified. get that look of ghost white on their face, and they, or they scream, or whatever. Um, and I would just say, when she fell, my wife and I did this all the time, and I actually learned it from I think my aunt and uncle, because they, they both had boys, and they would always get all kinds of injuries and they'd, they'd just wait, uh, stand up and say alright stand up and brush it off and they would literally take their hand and brush their knee a little bit and then go back to playing even though there's blood dripping down their leg and stuff it was awesome so I'm um, saying that to have an analogy for how you should conduct yourself as a pro at these matches yeah. You the, the term and the word pro is used Uh, relatively lightly, to be quite honest. If you look at the top 20 shooters in the series right now, I wonder how many are actually at this event. It's not a high percentage of attendance for the upper, upper upper-level shooters Uh, because most of them have their points by now, and, um, you know, this is very late in the season. This is actually... This is the time this most takes, people take off. They right, go this, hunting, they do fishing, they do whatever. This takes effort yeah. to go to this match. So the pros and the top level that are going to this match care about growing the sport. And that's why I think you're kind of trying to make the point, what are you doing to grow the sport? But if, if you come off the line and you conduct yourself with um, poise and calm and positivity, and you say, you know what, we're going to leave that one behind us and moving on to the next stage when they have it happen to them or if they have it happen to them um it's going to be the the same kind of concept and yep you can remember the 12 stages that you did awesome on and the eight that you did bad bad on forget like that's that's a hell of a weekend i feel like uh I feel like that the match itself is set up for that level of success for the amateurs. I've heard that the targets might be a little bit bigger. You choose the bigger target. It is. It's a, fewer positions within the same amount of time. It might even be fewer rounds per, per stage. Whatever it is, the ams have a, a slightly easier course of fire. And it's all yeah. me- meant to build that uh, muscle memory, that self-esteem building, that confidence building. And like you said, coming off the stage you know, with a, a level of accomplishment for uh, for the weekend that they put all that effort into.
1: Yeah. And you know, you can come off a stage and have a bad stage and you can show concern and, you know, question, but there's a, there's a right and a wrong way to do it. And here the, yeah, you can be like, man, I, I could have done something a little better. Hey, no worries. Right. We're going to get right back on it. I know what I have to do. There's a, there is a dynamic to showing that you are both, you learn something, you're going to make this change to fix the thing that you learned and then move forward and not let it happen again. That is the teachable moment that they're all going to be looking forward mm-hmm. while you're shooting. So, and this this does not just apply to a gap grind. This applies to any match, and especially any match where you're shooting with newer or novice people within your squad. It is really important that you learn to to tailor your actions to the best possible uh, outcomes for those newer shooters they they need to see the same type of response because they're going to learn that eventually and this look to be fair these are not all juniors we're talking about like there are grown men and women who are shooting in this that are going to come away from this thinking that either it's fun or it's not and you know we all owe it to ourselves to put our best foot forward but candidly like we're all here to learn and we're all here to grow and have fun so if we can do that and we can do it with this many shooters and do it consistently we are going to end up with a bigger sport there are a lot of shooters who come to this thing as an AM, end up shooting it as an AM, then shoot it as a pro, and then after they get done, you know, they're still hooked and they're still shooting this sport, uh, you know, four, five, six years later. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's fun. So things we learn um, is a, another cool side benefit of this one is you get to learn this facility as a pro. You get to learn the facility really well. And there is something that we have talked about a couple of times after matches at KM that I want to come back to, which is k m is unique in that they have a lot of really cool target hanging systems and I know this sounds a little uh, you know poignant they have both chain systems fixed targets different sizes shapes distances um, and that alone allows you to learn reading plates very consistently which normally we don't get to do like normally it's just hangers here because of the format this is where you can tailor those skills and you can learn this facility in a really really manicured environment that helps you become better as a pro shooter and as an amateur if if you're an am attending this for the first time and you want to get way ahead of the curve plan on spotting as much as humanly possible just to see how the target reacts and then listen to some of the pros hey you're hitting high left there and start to put linkages between what you saw and what they're saying because it's very obvious when you start seeing how those plates react and where the dust starts you'll actually start to make really fast connections in what you see and what the outcome was and you'll be able to translate that immediately to better faster success as you start shooting
0: more on your own yeah i shot that side match with jacob a couple weeks ago and i taught him one thing in the first stage and he just kept doing it over and over again which was hey jacob where's the best spot to spot (laughs) and he's like i don't know right here off to the side i said no Behind the shooter. I only had to tell him one time. And then after that, he's the first person packed up and moved over to the next stage. Yep. And he's standing right behind the shooting position, the firing he, position. He already learned like, the game right. within the game. He learned that. So, I mean, I'm hoping that he's staying on his glass, watching all the pros shoot, staying on his glass, watching the M's shoot, and then, you know, getting to, getting to work, doing doing work. So so what I think we should do, I think we've
1: covered, you know, this grind a lot, um, or at least the concept of what it is, why we like it, or at least why I like it. I want to do a two-part here, so I think we should just break it, and we should come back after, so we can get your recap and your thoughts immediately after, and maybe we can have the AMS on here as well, and you know, give a couple minutes from each of them and what they learned, what they saw, what they liked. Sounds be good. Pretty cool idea, huh? Yeah. All right. All right. I'll just push right. pause, and we'll see yeah, you we'll then see in four this days in t-minus a couple seconds. Three, All right. two, one. You officially just finished
0: your first gap grind yeah i mean i feel like i only <clears throat> talked to you guys like four to five seconds ago. Three seconds ago, ago. yeah
1: <laughs> yeah three seconds ago and we shot it
0: really quick and we got out of there and it was awesome holy crap my body is sore i don't know i i think i'm just getting old i don't remember feeling this sore after my last two-day match
1: yeah, but this isn't a normal two-day match, and you figure that out now, I think. It's way more work.
0: Yeah, you're on from the time you get there till the time you leave, and it's, they're long days because there's 400 shooters. So.
1: Yeah, so we started shooting. Our match brief was at 7 a.m. on Saturday. Well, we had our train-up on Friday. Um, that was all day with classes and seminars and train-up and teaching AMs and
0: yeah, saying hi to people. It's more than just a normal tune-up, we usually call it, because usually we just go out there we're checking velocity checking zero and walking our rifle out and we might jam on a couple props but we're not like overdoing it we're, we're just going out there to get the feel of the range and making sure our guns shooting right and then we get out of there well yep there's a different purpose for us being there on on friday before the gap grind and it's do some last minute training with our amateur and that's what we did I did it a little more than you did because you had some applied ballistics seminars going on, and I uh, yep. walked up there to try to answer some questions with that. But you guys were handling that pretty well. You and Mitch did some pretty good discussion, had some pretty good discussions, and and uh, I know everybody was thankful for having you guys there. That was cool. Thank you for doing that.
1: Yeah, our pleasure. I mean, it's super cool to be able to meet and greet all the shooters, and this you know this event, any of the events that we sponsor, you know, as applied ballistics. It's really neat to be able to meet shooters and talk you know ballistics as applied ballistics um it's always it's kind of weird working for applied ballistics and also shooting in matches and people asking you what work questions while also not officially going there as as, you know applied ballistics but at the same time it's really rewarding when when you have people who find an issue or they think they have an issue that's blank xyz and it turns out to be ABC or something else. Either you know, way earlier in the process. they like, oh my gosh, that was staring me right in the face. Didn't realize. That's really rewarding because it potentially just saved their match. Um, but the seminars went really well. We did, you know, I pers- I personally did some on wind and understanding wind and wind dynamics and making better wind calls. Um, and then the next one we did in the afternoon uh, was on managing data, basically managing points and how to understand your data. In a match. I want, you know, we use the word data, and it's kind of a weird one, but it has a lot of negative connotations I think for some people who aren't numbers driven. They think data means numbers. Really, what it just means is, are you impacting where you think you're impacting? And that is a lot of what we did, and I mean, think you'd agree. We spent the majority of our weekend managing other people's data. I mean, it was...
0: Yeah, especially at this match.
1: Especially at this match. You know, 400 shooters, you have... 10 pro shooters in your squad and another 10 shooters in, or 10 pro shooters in your squad plus 10 AMS and you're constantly watching for trends in your data or your impacts and what your solutions are doing plus 9 other people on the AM side and you know pros too, we're not trying to completely isolate um, you know to ourselves, it's a pro match but you know, not not all the pros there are at the same level you know, in a in most, quote, pro matches, you have 10, 20 people who are likely going to win it, one of those 20. But there's also a lot of people who are there to just gain experience, shoot a two-day match. Maybe it's close to them, and it's the closest two-day they have. Some of them try fly or travel to see a new terrain, like we talk about doing all the time. In this match, because of the format, it puts people from around the country into a venue that may not be considered, quote, pro i mean they're not by the prs classification as a prs um, they're not a pro but in terms of the gap grind they are they have enough experience to be able to get through a two-day course of fire and help someone else also achieve goals in a two-day match which can be really daunting um, if you're newer to the sport but still shooting well and man this match puts every single skill you've got to the
0: test and I don't mean that in terms of shooting.
1: <laughs> it takes everything yeah. out of you.
0: Patience, communication, uh, coaching, you know, uh, all of it. And from what I've heard that this course of fire, this particular gap grind was I more intense, we'll just say, than than previous matches. And I, I've never been to the other ones, but this, this course of fire was definitely pretty tough for the pros, I would say. I shot um, a really good match overall.
1: I made some mistakes on day one. Nothing egregious. But it was, I mean, I haven't felt that stressed to pull off nines and eights, nines, and tens at the gap grind. And I think this is, I believe, my fourth. I haven't felt that stressed to achieve those scores in a long time. There were multiple stages per day that it took all of my concentration to just get through the course of fire and know that you're impacting where you think you are, man, that's really hard, even if it's just a regular match. But then, you know, let's take a difficult course of fire for the pro side and set that aside. You have your AM. They're new to the sport. They have equipment, which as a pro, you're probably less familiar with than they are. If you're, if it's your equipment for them, it's still probably not as primary as your rifle. It might be a backup rifle, or it might be an old caliber, one you haven't used in a while, or you just kind of put together ammo. All those things lead to uncertainty, and it's up to you as the pro to watch their shots just as intently, if not more intently than your own. And in fact, I would, I would argue, as much as I felt like I was managing my own match, I was far more focused on all the other shooters throughout the weekend which is a weird thing to say considering how well I shot on Sunday but I feel 20 times more whipped than I did I mean you I watched you doing the same thing you know you're you're shooting with uh, Jacob um you know we mentioned Jacob and and Jason and uh they were both along and you know props out to shout out to Jason um he did a great job you know walking along with us and he used binos and just spotting at times with us and you know helping everybody in our squad out as long as and helping Jacob manage his data and come up with some good solutions um then Corey Knapp and Lily you know Corey was walking around with us as well you know helping Lily make sure she had her bag and her gear which gave both of us a little bit of relief from the moments that we needed to do things for ourselves to get prepped for a stage we could uh with a little less input I would guess or a little less um stress
0: yeah and you you said a few things before we took the break and uh fast forwarded time three four days um (laughs) you said and i remember you talking about it and i didn't really fully understand it at the time because to me it it sounded very very basic but you said you know you you get a chance to watch a lot of shots downrange and then give corrections and then see that immediate feedback and that was a good learning opportunity for the pros and i was thinking you know we're probably not going to make a lot of corrections based on based on errant rounds and stuff like that because they might not have been the best trigger pulls or they rifle may not have been can't or may have been canted and stuff like that um but it ended up being pretty useful to just call out basic corrections to get them closer to the center of the plate because a lot of times I saw people that had their rifle canted and it was honestly, it was more disturbing to their shot process to tell them to fix their level than to just you call out a correction. hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. And there was a couple people that didn't have a level even on the rifle. So it wasn't even an option. And, and we were tag teaming it quite a bit. Um, after the squad got kind of used to us and, and you'd move over on the spotting scope right behind the shooter. And then I would get down, um, on the ground or on the prop next to the the am whoever it may be and just try to keep them focused making sure they weren't forgetting to dial and level the rifle and follow through on the trigger press and stuff like that yep and um there was a couple people that didn't even have levels and i'm like all right i could see after every shot the rifle was getting more and more canted and i could hear your calls i was like uh, he's like 0.3 right and we're engaging the same target at the same distance 0.3 right all right based on that impact now 0.5 right yeah (laughs) 0.7 right and i'm like we're still hitting a plate the plate was like eight tenths wide probably or seven tenths wide we're still hitting the plate i am not going to disturb this guy's rifle and get it back on Um, i see i hear what francis is doing the guy's making pretty decent trigger pulls he just doesn't have a level and he's got a bipod that's just not super locked down if I start messing with his rifle at this point, he's, he's gonna, gonna time mess up out. Phone calls too. Yeah, he's gonna time yeah. out, and then and I reset it, and now we're holding center, and we're messing <laughs> off the other side. So it, there was just quite a few instances like that where I'm like, I'm just gonna let this. I'm gonna just help when I can and where I can. But um, I don't know. That was very interesting to me. That that some people that when they're new, I mean, they don't they don't know any better, and I don't know if if they have been exposed to you know pros quote unquote pros scrutinizing their their process and honestly i don't know how any other way to say it but it it makes it makes me feel like there's a lot of bad habits being cemented into people's processes that um it's unfortunate if if you wanted to get into this um with the local range and some one-day matches and then go to something like the gap grinder any type of pro-am event where Uh, coaching is allowed and and it's encouraged and and, and people are trying to help each other and as long as the information is sound and and you have somebody with some experience I feel like a lot of that could be avoided and it's one of the main reasons I I wanted to pick an amateur that was uh, a junior shooter youth shooter Um, my am Jacob Strutt he was he's 14 and he didn't really have any previous shooting experience I I asked him right when registration opened um, if he would shoot with me and he was all for it and uh, he even missed his homecoming um, game he's in the band and he missed his homecoming this week to drive down and shoot and it was his dad's birthday (laughs) and so that was awesome His dad came (laughs) down and uh, came down with him brought him down so I mean it wasn't like oh yeah I'll just go shoot this match and it'll be a fun quote-unquote fun thing like it was a it was a pretty good level of commitment that he and his family had to make to come down here and shoot this. And I was like, okay, I will give it my all. And hopefully you guys will do the same and we'll just, we'll have fun, but we'll learn something and we'll grow as men and we'll have, we'll have a good time and hopefully he can take something away from this. And the whole, the whole experience for me was, was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a really cool event to watch. And I, again, I took Lily. She shot really well this weekend. She um killed it. I, I mean, she you guys was, both did. <laughs> Yeah, we both... I mean, you did too, man. I mean, we we all had... Jacob did. It, it, I think this is... The moral of the story for me, or the takeaway that I get out of this is, you know, we... You and I have both personally invested a ton of time into these juniors. Um, both are 14, 15 years old. They're both eager to learn the sport, and they're at various stages in their progression towards learning the sport and becoming, you know, professional shooters, you know, quote-unquote, as well. And being equipped to make it through two days on their own or even one days you know consistently on their own but what's really cool to watch is their growth and their enthusiasm as they continue to go forward and you know it's it's a little bit painful at times like you're watching things that you know at some point like we've gone over this this has got to be second nature by now right but you've got to step back and say this is you've got they're still young they're still learning they they have desire they just can't keep up with all of the aspects of what this what this sport requires of you and what's what's extremely rewarding is not only to see that payoff you know for us it did really well right i mean you and jacob um finished second overall in the amateur as a team which is incredible given the number of 200 teams and you finished second that's incredible it was pretty incredible um I know you shot really well yesterday. Today, you had a, just one or two stages that I think went a little bit sideways, um, but not terribly so. But in a field like this, specifically you know, at K&M, where if you if you aren't on your A game the whole time, it's pretty easy to lapse and not have a place to make up those points. You finished third. I mean, only a couple, like two, three points. Well, I think Shannon said it was a, what did he say? It was a whooping or something like that because it was like three points. But, um, you shot really well as well. So the two of you were very consistent throughout the week and, or throughout the weekend, Lily shot incredibly well. And it was so rewarding to, you know, after having worked with her for the last, you know, about six months, you know, specifically the last six months, but even, you know, the last year as she was in 22s, she was literally just doing exactly what we said. Mm -hmm. Lily, two tenths left, hold one tenth up, bang, drill center go to zero bang drill center like just each and every time and i mean that doesn't come with that that doesn't just come by saying hey i need you to do this great and now you know you execute at that level that's a really big ask so what's cool for me is the rewarding of evolution of watching someone grow and grow and grow to where i expect that both jason um jason will likely be jacobs am next year (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um i think lily is awesome. definitely going to be talented enough to go as an as a pro next
0: year yeah. and be able to help and guide and i don't and know Did she, can she say enough words and <laughs> <laughs> i think she smiled a few times this weekend she, so that was pretty that was a pretty good step in the right she direction.
1: definitely had a couple of smiles <laughs> but it was, they were few and far between and they're really hard to catch like they happen for about three seconds and you have to you know prompt him and coaxed him out of her but uh, she has an
0: image to uphold
1: she does yeah she's got to you know keep up with the big smiles um no i think i think she would definitely do well as a pro and i do think that by this time next year it'll be no big no big deal for her to be a pro to someone and mentor her her own friend or you know another shooter uh, she is definitely talented but all that said, you know, it's not just about those two what's what's always fun for me, specifically, this is my fourth am or fourth grind. The first year, I didn't really have a full context of it. And it was the second year I realized how much more I could give back to the amateurs and the pros in our squads by just constantly working and being on top of my game for them and what was cool is to watch every single shooter I got to know you know I did a lot of spotting um, for most of each day I, I mean it was 70 to 80% of the time I was spending not shooting was spent spotting and getting to learn certain rifle, you know today I remember specifically each guy who comes up like hey man I remember you were two tenths left most of the day and we had to favor right um, you know and then this other guy we were trying to get a little like four tenths high and two tenths right we got to change your dope a little and we would tinker with it but in some cases it was hard to come up with a solution on the fly so we would just start using what we knew and I'd remember like okay this guy is always left this guy is always right this guy seems to start straight and then ends up high right you literally start to get a sense for each shooter and how they operate what do you communicate how they communicate the best and then they start to adapt to you and I mean it is so cool to watch them evolve and learn and go this is this is amazing like they're watching and drilling shots that they normally they they don't know that they would have been able to hit I, I don't know it's it's my funnest it's the funnest match of the year and you know what drives me is what are what are we giving back to the community what are we giving back to other shooters and i think this is a question that we have talked about multiple times Anybody listening to this podcast, what are you specifically, you personally, and I mean this, you know, ask this of yourself, what are you personally doing to grow our sport and to ensure that it continues to grow? Mm -hmm. I think it's a huge and valid question that if you really internalize that, there's always something else you could be doing to help growing our, grow your area, grow your region. Even if you're brand new to this sport, there is something you can do to contribute.
0: Well, I can tell you, between the 200 pros that showed out and Shannon hit the nail on the head, he said, you know, I really, this is Shannon speaking, he, he said he really um, looks at who uh, who attends this match and who, who gives this match their attention and their time, um, and he really respects those as leaders in the community and ones that want this sport to grow and ones that want to give back, and I thought that was... A very good observation because we we took this match very seriously. Going down here, we both worked with our AMs multiple times over the summer, and and we wanted to give them a leg up and, and a good start. Uh, but but when you walked around Friday on Vendor Day and you saw all the vendors that were there, um, these are people. These are familiar faces. Mm-hmm. And I always say when you're buying when you're buying things uh, for precision rifle in this community. Like, I don't see the products before I see the people that sell the products. Because the people that sell the products that I buy are, are inside the community in at these matches. And I see them as the owners of the company as much as I see I see them as people as much as I see them as the businessmen products, man, and women yeah. and their products. So um, it was awesome to see everybody show up on Friday, walk around, mingle. Um, you know, there was a ton of giveaways. There was a ton of side stages, there was a ton of uh, support for the ROs. I mean, Looped put a a package together. It was like five, five grand. Yeah, yeah, like five thousand dollars worth of product, and it yeah. was raffled off. Um, yeah, five they, bucks and, a ticket, and, and they, they donated yeah. all the money to the ROs. Um, there was the the sport optics that they do the the Swaro. Um, yep, Swaro RO SLC fifteen fifty six is given away to RO. There was Daniel Defense. I mean, there was just the Zeiss gave away Zeiss. a ton of optics as yeah. well yeah yep. Uh, ga per like there's the, this is the this is the question you're asking you know what are you doing to grow the sport I mean all of these people that were there everybody had a hand in and mm-hmm. uh, their piece of that um, but then outside I know that everybody there is thinking the same question and that they're reflecting inward and they're saying you know it is is this all I'm gonna do I doubt it I, I guarantee that everybody there um, has other things that they're doing in their local shooting community and other influences inside the industry and, and all the all the things that we're we're thinking about here. I think they're all interconnected. It's it's all related, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you're pushing, you know, if you're working, if you're at a match and you have to pick between a couple of products and you want to try something, man, give a product that's supporting matches that you attend the shot. Um, if you see a new shooter at a range. And this is this is really simple, but I mean it, it kind of speaks to the heart of what we do as a community to help grow the sport. Um, if you see somebody you haven't met at a match who obviously looks new, if you have even a mat even if you don't have a match or two under your belt, make it a point to just go over. Hey, I'm I'm Francis, or I'm John, or I'm Bob, or I'm Jane, whatever your name is, and just introduce yourself to that person and make ask them how they're doing how they found it like looking forward to having it welcome into the club and maybe just maybe that'll be just of enough of a warm welcome that they're sort of surprised because i mean if you think back to your first match i remember thinking i don't know anybody here and i don't even think i said two words to anybody except "Is this where we go is where's the first stage? I mean, I literally didn't know the facility. I knew nothing. I just knew I pulled into the back roads at Rainer's Range and there's a farm. I'm like uh, at 4 a.m., I'm like, I hope this is the right place or I'm probably getting shot because it's <laughs> 4 a.m., pitch black, yeah. and there's dogs barking. Lights are turning on. Okay, I hope this is right, but I wasn't about to knock on a door. I mean, imagine that's your first match. Now you pull in at 6 a.m., knowing no people, you know, having someone to at least say hi to you you now have one for semi from semi unfamiliar, but less unfamiliar than everyone else's face. And if 10 people do that, you're not going to walk away from a disappointing day thinking, man, that really sucked. Like I just had a bummer of a day. I never hit anything. It was kind of a waste of time and money. If you have 10 people and two of them seem really cool, then now you want to reach out and like ask a question, Hey, how did you do this? How did you do that? And you feel like they give you just one tip that's Man, if I would have done that, I might have done better. I gotta do that before the next one.
0: Bam they're they're hooked. There is something to be said though, for the anonymity of showing up to a match, knowing you're you know new and uh having nobody witness it that you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and getting the experience of just being able to go and you know when I started, I originally got into it because I was friends with a buddy that shot, and I thought that was gonna be. Our thing to you know go and be able to hang out it was more of like let's go hang out and shoot a match and i thought yeah and, and this the squatting thing was super stressful to me because i wanted to be in the squad with my friend and that didn't work out one time i'm like well heck with this like i don't even want to go <laughs> because i don't get to shoot with this with my buddy but i went anyway and then i was like well this is pretty darn cool because these 10 guys are pretty darn cool you know yeah and so um And then I made friends with those 10 people. And then the next match, you know, you can squad up and and one or two of those same people are in your squad. But you got eight new people. And then after 50 matches, you show up and you know pretty much everyone. (laughs) Yeah. It's wild how
1: quickly your network grows as you attend more and more matches. But I think that's the point. Not only do we have to grow ourselves, I think even as a new shooter, you owe it to yourself to help us continue to grow the community. And I say us, meaning help the community grow the community because without that we simply won't be around in five years in 10 years and 15 years and I'm not saying that it won't but there's an old adage in business that's like if you're not growing you're dying right if you're not figuring out how to make it continuously bigger and better and you know quote sell more you aren't gonna win in the long term you have to continuously grow and I think that is true of a lot of sports you know if you look at the track record for most sports over time Any, you know, major sports that continue to climb, they have to grow at a nearly exponential rate in order to keep up with the next sport that's directly behind it that's growing at an exponential rate. Because you need to keep enough attention and enthusiasm in your wheelhouse and in your core demographic to keep new blood coming in faster than the old blood who's been doing it for six months and getting bored or not having success jumps out to go to the next, you know, blindfolded, one-legged fishing tournament next door. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a... um, that's a real problem that it's not that we're experiencing it in fact quite the opposite i mean the prs is growing incredibly quickly between the nrl hunter the prs the international series the 22 series there's a lot of growth but it has to be it has to be directed and you have to kind of constantly try to help people find new ways of learning so i don't know i just i really take it upon myself to as much as i can do what others have done for me in the past and given me pointers or Little tips here and there, made friends with certain people, and you know, try to be that quick friend for somebody who needs it so that they can find a friend who will be your buddy, like you and I are. Um, and I love this sport for that. It's, and I I know we say it all the time, and it feels a little sappy at times, but we got to walk around KM this weekend with almost 500 individuals, and I would say we got to at least say hi to. I don't know, a hundred to 150. I mean, I feel like I met somewhere around a hundred to 150 people, many of which I have never met before. Yeah. And you know, either they've heard of the podcast or, you know, they, they've seen you, but you haven't seen them or you have seen them. And you're like, I think I, aren't you on Facebook? We're friends on Facebook. It's like, Oh yeah. How'd you know that? like, I don't know. I just recognize your face. Like, you know, I don't know. I find something about that process that a, you know, at a big match,
0: pretty fun. Yeah. But. Well, I mean, we started this whole thing talking about the gap grind, and and I guess from my experience, um, I will say that there's. I understand now. There's a reason why the match sells out so quick. I mean, this match yeah. sells out in a few days every year. Mm-hmm. It's always full. I think this was the biggest one yet. Um, they, Jewel and Julie wanted to cap it at 360 <laughs> or something. <and> they, they <laughs> made it uh, a. <laughs> They filled it up to 400, which meant there was 20 stages of 20 people, uh, all running simultaneously, all over the place. Everything went flawless. Um, I, I think they shut down one time for a target failure. I mean, this is just typical K and M stuff where things just run. Um, the matches, the match on both days ran quite a bit longer than most because of the amount of people and um the fact that we're we're doing pros and ams and the ams get a little more attention and time um but overall it ran pretty well but man i gotta say i am whipped like whipped like no other mentally and physically um i think the ag cup was worse mentally oh i agree with that this this was definitely like second to that yeah pretty close second to be quite honest um but, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said at the beginning, I, I'm just, I think I'm getting old or got beat up or something, but I'm wore, no, I'm wore out. I think this one was
1: just the, the duration of focus that you had to have. The AG Cup was unique in that it was four days, like three days of competition plus a train up, and you had to really be on your A game during the match, and you couldn't talk to anyone. So it's like you're in just your weird little silo of nothingness, and you can talk to people at only certain times because it's I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. You couldn't talk to people, but you could. You just couldn't talk about the match. So it's like, well, what do you talk about? Well, we all love shooting, but you can't talk about that. So it's kind of weird. Um, this one, you are talking about shooting nonstop from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. And that's usually waking up at 5. I mean, we're pushing it at 5 a.m. and out the door by 5.30. 4.30 is pretty regular. We're back in it eight after dinner or nine after dinner and in bed so from 4 a.m to 9 p.m you were talking shooting you were thinking doing sleeping eating and everything revolving around shooting and that is exhausting
0: yeah i think we left the range close to 7 p.m it was dark it was
1: 100 percent dark when we left because we finished our post match day one firing zeros chronoing cleaning all that stuff and then the next
0: morning yeah the saturday saturday we left at dark too well yeah. that was after dark because there was a band and stuff but we didn't even get to eat dinner because we uh we finished the last stage and everybody had been sh- done shooting for a half hour I, I don't really don't know how that even happened and then we went down and, and cleaned and zeroed and by the time we were done with that uh we went up there the band was playing and and dinner was there gone there was so no food i had some lunchables out of the clubhouse those were good um, yeah,
1: and that's not on, good. like, Shannon or anybody. No, no, like not at all. They they had already been up there eating. We just took us a while to finish up as shooting. I mean, we were on one of the last squads to finish up. And then we took 45 minutes or so to get to our cars, pack our stuff, go to the zero line, clean our rifles, re-zero, um, chronograph, then get our stuff packed again, go back up to the top. And that's, I mean, there you go, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And in that time, 400 people had, you yeah. know, mowed through the food, which was a ton of food. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, again, if this match, I think one of the questions, you know, I I thought I had was, you know, you learn a ton spotting. I did a lot of spotting this weekend, and what was really neat to me, and I I, I thought, you know, personally, you and I hit a really cool stride working together at a match. This is the first time that we've gotten to work with other shooters cooperatively, i.e., you and I both simultaneously And we had such a cool rhythm. I mean, I just speaking candidly. Like you and I, I felt like you and I had a really cool rhythm. Of here's a correction, and then I just I'll tell you what's going on. You have to trust what I'm seeing, and then you apply it to that shooter, and make sure you tell them to execute. And you're watching all the fundamentals to make sure they're executing it properly, so that I can rely on what I see going downrange. And when you think about that circle, like I see it. I tell you what you saw. You make a correction. The correction gets applied. You make sure they execute the correction properly. I then have to translate whether the shooter really did that or not and then give you the next correction. It's such a cool cycle to watch that and have you between me and a shooter or have me between you and a shooter to make those types of corrections. Um, because It was, I, yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. cool.
0: I mean, anybody that would let me touch their turret, I would... I would definitely make those corrections physically on the turret for them. you'd be like okay take two tenths off on the next target and i'd just reach up and just take a couple clicks out so and it was working out great because there were a couple people that were trending high um towards the the um the longer distance targets but we had a really really great squad i got to feel like if you took the if you took the ams in our squad and and compared them to every other squad i mean they were just they were just killing it and they were very receptive to coaching and listening to what we had to say on the clock. I mean, sometimes you you work with somebody and, and they're very tunnel vision and focused. And, they almost uh, don't
1: hear you. Literally, I could say it. there yeah. were a couple stages where I yelled corrections as yeah. loud as I could. And when I when they got done, I'm like, "Did you hear what I was telling you to do?" No, I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't even hear a single thing. And I could tell I never made any of the corrections. Like in some cases, others, I'm like, "Okay."
0: Oh, yeah. Most Maybe of them, they are. Most of them are very receptive, and I was yeah. really impressed by that because that's the level of situational awareness you have to have on the clock. You have to have a calm mind, and you have to be okay with troubleshooting, navigating through a stage when things don't go perfectly. I mean, yep. if you can watch your shots and stay calm and then make corrections, you can win these matches. It, it's not as easy as it sounds, but um, you should be able to hear – people talking on the stage next to you while you're shooting i mean that's the level of awareness you have to have yeah i would agree and there was a couple
1: stages specifically that i thought went really well for me <laughs> they were more stressful than hmm, it would be in my top 10 for sure of all my of all stages i've shot in my career i'm close to it i'm getting close to a thousand now i want well, me i mean, I've gotta be over than that but I don't even know. I've 80, I think we're both at almost 90, 85 or 90 matches now. So whatever that is, time stages. Um, but those stages were specifically ones where I remember personally shooting. I was so focused that it felt like watching things hit impact, even in the worst mirage, even in the worst conditions, where I was really unsure of what was going to happen. I was so hyper-focused. I watched the the first puff of dust forming as it was coming up to about the size of a dust uh, say a golf ball on a target and then it would dissipate fa- as fast as it got bigger than that it would dissipate to nothing and i couldn't see it because of the mirage i was physically able on one long range stage to watch each and every single impact through one of the worst mirages i've shot in because i was so focused on the target and i mean it felt to me like a really long time but i think i did it in like 50 seconds um then watching, you know, on the bunker stage, which we had at the far right, you, it was, this was a 60-second stage. Five shots, but 60 seconds, modified prone on a KYL rack. Um, I started my timer when they started me, and I remember, beep, get up, put my gun in, get it level, reach up, and I am literally going like molasses. Why? Because I want to stay dead calm. The last thing you need before you have to make a lot of really precise shots is a ton of adrenaline surges, that are forcing you to feel like you're overreaching for speed when speed really isn't necessary because when it comes down to brass tacks, you can pull a trigger as fast as you need, as you have to. Um, I don't think I put my first shot off for about, I'm guessing it was 15 seconds, maybe a little more.
0: Mine was 30. It felt obscenely long, but I just said yeah, was I, was I was in no rush.
1: Yeah. First shot was out of 15 seconds, so 45 or so seconds. The next five shots happened, and I know I had at least 30 seconds left. Mm-hmm. So it was 15 seconds to fire five rounds, and that was with really slow presses in between, not really thinking anything of it. Eh, done off the line, clean it, walk away. But I watched every single round perfectly, and was was I could make corrections that were in the sub-tenths corrections. Even though, you know, am I really capable of shooting sub-tenth corrections? No. But am I capable of resolving it and trying to move you know a little bit to the right half a a bullet or two to the left like yeah i mean i'm gonna try whether or not it happens is really up to you your system and your your consistency but man i had so much fun at this weekend um again a shout out to to lily a shout out to jacob um i'm proud of them both i know very you are super pumped for jacob and man um just and also and Lily, she, and Lily mean, yeah, she <laughs> it was shot. so freaking
0: cool. Yeah, she shot her tail off this
1: weekend. Um, also, to you know George, you know GA Precision, George runs a lot of this match, and you know it's the gap grind for a reason, right? It's put on by GA Precision, um, and their crew does a lot of work between the match and supporting of the match and the creation, and the concept, and the vetting of uh, individual shooters and. You know, just making sure the match is as smooth as it can possibly be. And if you've ever wanted to shoot a match, and there's one you should, you think, I need to put it on my bucket list. You need to put the gap ground on your bucket list. If you're a new shooter, you need to sign up as an AM. You will learn more by just doing what a, pro, a good pro tells you to do during the match. Because you have unlimited amount of corrections, unlimited assistance, don't think of it as a handicap to have someone moving your bag for you or have someone dialing for you. The whole purpose of this match is to show you what you're capable of if all you're doing is pulling a trigger. If someone gives you perfect information, perfect feedback, and you just do exactly what you're supposed to do, which is find the right target and follow through on your shot and exactly the hole they tell you to, I think most shooters would surprise themselves because a, a good shooter-spotter relationship will help you put more rounds on target. And that will tell you where you're deficient because if you go out and do this on your own and you shoot 50%, you now know that your spotting ability or the ability to see what's happening downrange and put corrections to it is not as good as it needs to be. And it I mean, it very quickly tells you what the real root cause of some of the issues around you know scoring better at matches could be.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that.
1: So, key takeaways for you. Um you finished third. I finished second. Uh oh, congrats um the winner. Daniel. Daniel. Is it Herder? I don't know. I'll, I I literally tried looking up his H. name. I know his agent. It was like Herder. We both when we looked at him like who's this Daniel guy? And how is he like 7 points ahead? Um
0: he's from can, he's from Texas, I know that. Yeah, Harried, Her- H E R E I D. Harried?
1: Yeah. Okay. Daniel Harried, yeah. Daryl hurt. Hopefully Daniel, I hope you're listening to this. I uh, please huge shout out and congratulations. That was awesome. That was a seriously kick ass.
0: Yeah, so he beat he beat Francis by five points. Yeah. One seventy six, one seventy I had one seventy one. I had one sixty seven. So yeah, there's a decent spread at the top. Um and then it kinda got right tight right up behind me, so in typical k and m fashion, Snabbled. there's a ton of people jammed up you know in the in ten ten to fifteen points below that so um yeah it was it was definitely a fun match great company uh, great people i don't i don't know what m- more we can say about it. I do want to do like a totally separate um discussion on observations that i've that i saw with new shooters but i mean we're going on. Over an hour here with these two things mashed together, but I think it's a very interesting topic. If we we jot down and talk about some of the things that we witnessed and saw, it might be some similar things that might strike a chord with with some newer shooters that are either too timid to show up to this match, aren't they? Don't have the a way to get to it, or don't want to wait for a year for it to happen yeah. again. Because, and you shouldn't have to. Yeah, but might as well get started. But I just noticed a few mm-hmm. things, and and I think it could, I think it could help people, and it might be a good to start a discussion on if you saw it similar. once
1: you will probably see it again somewhere else yeah. so yeah I, I agree with you there's a lot of really common issues that we see um especially the gap grind brings that out but um but the only other thing i would say is and kind of just to recap on it is if you, someone who you know is a good shooter offers you advice or offers you kind of guidance coaching at other you know take you know give it a shot listen to what they have to say and maybe you'll find one of the best tips or one of the best you know pieces of advice that you've got after starting to watch it you know and use it a little bit um I did get to watch a couple of shooters who are a little resistant at first to getting coaching or guidance or some help um in a couple of other squads and you know I mean (laughs) you signed up for the, if you signed up for the gap grind or if you're in you know a situation that allows you to be coached, you know, ignoring what someone's saying is one thing. Um, just maybe just tell them, Hey man, I really don't think I need your help. But if you really got to think long and hard, if you think that's, you know, a good idea, you, you better have a really, really solid reason for sort of turning away what arguably could be, you know, free and very, very sound advice or guidance. So, um yeah that's all i think it's there's always something to be learned from all of the people around you even if it's what not to do
0: i can learn something from anyone
1: yep <laughs> so man i had a blast with you this weekend yeah this is I did too. now going to be one of my favorite trips the only thing that would make it better is if we could have gone fishing before and after as well
0: yeah but uh well we're we're definitely not making it home tonight otherwise we could go fishing tomorrow. but uh, <laughs> I really wanted to go fish tomorrow, but I'm just going to go sleep, I think, most of the day. Hopefully, we can get a couple hours on the road and uh, get to a hotel room that has two beds instead of one king. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was an interesting one, although at least it was a,
1: like a California king. Yeah, it was and pretty not wide. Just a, it was super wide. <laughs> yeah. Could have had three people in there. Somebody to be a ref in between. But, yeah, we got a little
0: unfortunate on that one. No worries. It's not bad for two years of hotels. Yeah. So. All right, man. I will. Uh, I'll catch you a little later. We'll we'll have to do some more discussions here. I like it. All right. See you. See you.